Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Welcome to the Weather Channel's Weather Geeks podcast special edition on Hurricane Dorian. I'm hurricane expert Dr. Greg Postel at the Weather Channel, joined with senior meteorologist Dr. Matt Sitkowski as well. And we are going through an unprecedented scenario with Dorian now at a high-end Cat 5 through the Bahamas as of early Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we have an absolutely historic uh, storm on our hands. Uh, we're recording this uh, Sunday early afternoon in the Hurricane Hunter plane. Uh, is out in the storm, and the storm now just made landfall um, El Bouquet at uh, um, 911 millibars, 185 mile per hour sustained winds, uh, gust in essence of over 200 miles per hour likely occurring. Um, absolutely um, a monster hurricane, probably like you were saying earlier, about as about as strong as you can get in this part of the world. Yeah, I can't imagine a storm that has been stronger in this part of the world that it's the atmosphere has ever produced, at least that I can remember, um, the violence that it is unleashing across parts of the Bahamas is something that we can't describe because there are no analogs to draw upon. So we don't really know for sure how they're going through it, how they're managing it. Hopefully they're surviving. And I mean that literally because if you think about this, this is a essentially an EF4 tornado practically that doesn't last a few seconds, that doesn't last a few minutes, this could go on for hours. And in addition to that, there's storm surge inundation, perhaps over 20 feet. In many of these islands, the average elevation is 10 feet. So I, if you put all of that together, I, I, don't, I, I can't communicate the um, conditions that they're going through. Yeah, and of course, Hurricane Dorian now moving pretty much due west. We're tracking it on radar. Um, we've also been noticing a slowdown in, in forward speed. Uh, it's heading toward Grand Bahama, Freeport. Um, luckily, there are some spots on that island that can get over over 30 feet, not a, not a whole lot. Um, but we know there's people there. And um, it's it, with the slowdown and the forecast of this thing to just really creep over uh, the Grand Bahama, it's going to be hours and hours and hours of these hurricane force winds uh it's like you were saying this is really hard to imagine what this will be like yeah and this slowdown is in anticipation of the northward turn that everybody in the florida and southeast united states is paying attention to in the forecast that it will at some point turn northward the billion dollar question is when is that northward turn going to take place now when hurricanes begin to slow down that is a sign that the direction is going to change and those types of movements are extremely hard to predict it's one thing to predict a hurricane when it's moving steady she goes you know in a, in a uniform steering current but when they're this erratic the steering currents and when they are in the process of changing the error that can be associated with the predictions is bigger than it is in other places. So this is why everybody on the Florida coast, and you have been talking about this a lot and you know, preaching to hear to everybody here at the Weather Channel that no one is off the hook on the on the Florida coast, all the way from South Florida to Jacksonville, Amelia Island, and then up northward from there through the Carolinas. And we were here 
you know, yesterday and we talked about every day has been a different story. And, you know, today's story, of course, the intensity has just been like the headliner, my goodness, unbelievable. But the other part of the story today has been uh, a little bit more of that consensus of the models shifting a little bit closer to the Florida coast. And now we have hurricane watches up. And, um, you know, you mentioned when they when the storms slow down, uh, even when the hurricane center puts down, you know, nearly stationary, uh, a lot of times it's more like it's just kind of wobbling out over here, a little bit here, and there's still some some movements. And if you if you look at the the forecast and you kind of look at the models and you zoom out, it's pretty good agreement, right? But we are zooming in nice and tight <laughs> because we're looking at South Florida, we're looking at the East Coast and the Bahamas, so we're really in there tight, much tighter than you would normally want to be, and 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 trying to make these these calls that are going to be really difficult. So that's why the watches are up. That's why people in Florida, you know, some evacuations have been ordered and people just need to be doing, listen to local officials, evacuating if told to do so. And, um, you know, have to follow this forecast every single update. There are lots of times and lots of places where a 10 or a 15 mile track error at 48 hours is completely harmless. And you would just let it go and say, actually, you know what? That's a pretty good forecast because that's better than average. The average track error is at 70 miles or so at 48 hours. But missing this one by 10 or 15 miles is going to, I should say, making the track change 10 or 15 miles at 48 hours in this case is not a harmless change it's one that brings florida from nuisance weather as you described it matt before where it's manageable so maybe some tropical storm force wind gusts and even intervals of clouds and sun to getting very close to if not on the edge of an eye wall of a cat five <laughs> those are stunningly different scenarios that are really dependent on such small changes that otherwise would be regarded as not so important. But in this case, because we're so close to the coast and because this changes, the gradients of of weather with this hurricane are so tight. Um, this is just one of the tougher calls that I can ever remember. Yeah. So here on the Sunday afternoon, let's, uh, let's talk maybe a bit about what we have sort of high confidence in for the next couple of days. Um, we already know that the storm's doing its slowdown over the Bahamas. It's extremely powerful. Uh, the, the good news, perhaps, it's very hard for storms to stay this intense for a very long time. And some of the guidance does suggest, you know, gradual weekend this week, uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, as it starts to, uh, we think w- will be the case, move northward um, very close to the Florida Peninsula. Impact-wise for the for the state, um, we know about the the surf, the waves, the beach erosion that is going to happen. And um, quite frankly, I can't think of another. I don't think there is another. We talk about it unprecedented and, and no analogs. I can't think of another storm that's going to be uh, you know so intense, such a slow mover, um, and for such a long time uh, battering the coast with these waves. Um, so places you know Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale, up to West Palm. Uh, and points northward, I'm going to be very curious to see how much water actually uh, makes it over A1A, um, you know, how many um, feet of beach are actually going to be removed, and we're going to have these sort of cliffs, if you will, that Mm -hmm. form as a result of this storm. Um, And then we're going to have, you know, the rain and the winds, too. The rain and the winds, and, you know, just to back up for a second, you know, some of the things that maybe even we were surprised by a little bit this morning, as it the data kept coming in from the reconnaissance, 
the intensity kept going up and it's like, how much more can this go? But with all the lightning inside of it, that was a sign that perhaps this thing was still in an intensification mode where it was still extracting a lot of heat from the ocean. And we were seeing some cape in the interior of the storm, some instability that led to stronger and stronger thunderstorms and then therefore the stronger lower pressures and stronger winds. But that's been surprising so far. But yes, the, the impacts on the beach, you were mentioning the beach. There will be beaches rearranged potentially by this, of course, depending on how close it gets. But the relentless pounding of big surf and the coastal flooding, the erosion, not just in Florida, but up the coast. And we'll get to those areas up the coast later. But the wind and the rain, I guess an expected impact right now, if you were to take the Hurricane Center's forecast track for Dorian, which is as good as any at this point, that keeps the eyewall offshore. But again, just by a few miles. So a wiggle here and there changes the outcome. But let's just assume this is the case. Eyewall stays offshore in the Hurricane Center's official forecast. Tropical storm force wind gusts up and down the beaches all the way in inland too as well, going a distance inland a couple counties maybe, and then all the way up the Florida coast. And then let's start talking about areas farther north. Yeah, because um, it's the the cone is 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 going north. It's turning. Um, we'll probably see um, you know watches come out tomorrow for uh, new states further north. Um, South Carolina, North Carolina, you know Georgia too. Um, all have to keep an eye on the system. Um, there is, at this stage, uh, consensus-wise in the models, a, a story being told that would have it um, curve the angle of the coast. Again, we don't know how far off that will be or, or if it will actually get inland into one of these states. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing, too, is we should have a, uh, compared to now, it should be a much weaker system by the time it gets up to What do you think the chances states. of that are? I think it will be. I think it will be. Um, we looked at some of the, I haven't looked closely today actually at all of that part of the forecast, but um, yesterday there was um, some indications that there might be some environmental, maybe some drier air uh, getting into the system. Bit stronger vertical shear and maybe the heat content in the ocean not as high. So there was all, all, all factors that would suggest it would be quite a bit less intense than it is now. Yes. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, and that's the uh, the thing with uh, hurricanes in general. You know, tracks a little bit easier, a little bit better, better improvements over the years than, than intensity forecasting. Um, that's made some some strides, but uh, overall that's something that, uh, you know, forecasters still struggle with. So let me ask you this question, because I know this is your topic for your dissertation in Madison. Um, go Bucky. But um, the eyewall replacement cycles, because that would have an, a significant impact or, or significant um, yeah, impact on the impacts that we expect, right. right? Because right now we have seen all along of recent days, uh, one wind maximum, an, a single eyewall. Sometimes storms go through changes where that inner one collapses and one farther out develops and gets strong. That would extend the impacts even on the current track where an eyewall replacement cycle to take place. Right? I mean, tell me if I'm right here. The the peak intensity may come down a bit, but the impacts would be spread even farther away from right. the center. Right. So, so to, to explain that a little, a little bit more too, with an eyewall replacement cycle, you know, everyone think I think you know you have your eye around that the eyewall, and you kind of have some spiral rain bands. Uh, strong hurricanes like to start to develop an outer eyewall, starts to look more like a bullseye or so, and then that inner eyewall uh, starts to weaken, eventually goes away, and is replaced by that new 
outer eye wall and the storm actually typically um, that'll contract but not contract back down all the way back to their original size so it the wind field expands it's a mechanism for for storm growth while that whole process happens which can be around a day or so there's a lot of variability usually there is sort of an oscillation in intensity there will be uh, initial weakening of the storm and then as that inner eye wall goes away and the outer one comes back and starts contract um, the intensity can can ramp back up, sometimes can even exceed the original intensity when the eye wall started, or eye wall replacement cycle started. Dorian has been interesting. Uh, it actually had uh, reported by the aircrafts, aircraft data when it was a category one, went through an eye wall replacement cycle, which is, is not too common when a storm's a little bit uh, weaker like that. And that was in the Eastern Caribbean, correct? This was over, yes, in, um, around Puerto Rico, I have to mm -hmm. look at the uh, exact timing of all of this. Uh, it's been it's been a long few days, um, but it did it did have one. It was supported by the aircraft data. You could see it in, in other in other uh, imagery, um, and then it doesn't appear to have had one since. And there's no indication right now uh, that it has one. Um, so that's but that's a big factor. Uh, it's I describe it sometimes as a blessing and a curse mm -hmm. when it's when it's near landfall where uh, it can it can help drop the highest wind maximum down, which is of course good, but it might bump up the outer winds. So now, you know, X miles of coastline that was at threat for hurricane force winds, that might have increased uh, quite a bit. So you have to sort of, there's some give and take on on the impacts of an eyewall replacement cycle. Yeah, and that would change the expectation of the um, weather outcome for everybody along the coast. If it were to go undergo those kinds of internal changes, all of a sudden, many more locations, not just on the coast, but inland, would be impacted by those changes. So that's something to watch for. We don't have, as you said, any indication of that happening right now. But the fact that it's had a single eyewall for so long, how long can that last? Right. Right. So we don't know. We'll just have to watch for that. So let's talk about now uh, Georgia and the Carolinas, because I have been getting a lot of requests on air about what, what can I expect? Charleston or Myrtle Beach or Wilmington or Cape Hatteras or anywhere in between. And on the expected track, I would consider a storm surge. Well, this is a tricky one because storm surge, we usually think of accompanying a landfall where there's a rapid rise in water associated with the center crossing land. But with the significant circulation around Dorian, there would be significant water rises associated with wave run up. Um, and coastal flooding uh, along normal times of high tide would be much higher. And we would see erosion from pounding surf, and there would still be significant amount, even without the traditional notion of a storm surge. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we're going to have uh, prolonged water rises here and, right. and, and probably a few high tide cycles uh, uh, along the coast. And parts of the... Uh, Georgia uh, coastline too has these wild big um, swings in, in high and low tides too. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to see, um, uh, it, you know, a lot of those places too are marshland and, and can go up and down and not a lot of people impacted in, in some of those areas. But um, it's important to make too that um, rivers uh, inland can carry this water. I know that the St. John's River, like in Jacksonville, you know, is at the coast and then it goes inland and goes down and, and uh, there's already forecasts there for water to be higher than it than it should. Not necessarily from, as you were mentioning, the storm surge of an eye wall coming ashore, but the strong, steady wind just sort of pushing that water against the coastline and the shape of the coastline um, is, is, is adds to that as well. 
So um, it's pretty clear that coastal flooding will be a significant issue all the way up through the Carolinas, almost regardless of the track that it's going to take. Pretty much of all the scenarios that we come up with, all of them include significant coastal flooding and beach erosion and the like from Florida through the Carolinas. Right. And there's still a very real likelihood that an eye wall will come with an enhanced significant you know, storm surge in that area. Um, and maybe more likely, maybe North Carolina at this point, but it's still still out far in the forecast. And we have a few days to yes. sort this out, yes, which is, do. I guess, some silver lining in this, right? We have a couple of days yet to figure out how close, Dorian, this, the core of it will come. It, it's one of those things that's still four days out. But what should we tell the residents then in North Carolina and the beaches in South Carolina and Georgia? The odds have been increasing this weekend and will probably continue to increase that you're going to have to be dealing with a significant storm, a hurricane coming towards you uh, midweek. So, um, you know, expect watches to be going up uh, the next day or two, depending on where you live, and follow the advice of local officials. And if you're told to evacuate, please do so. Mm, Those are, yes, um, you can... You can hide from the wind, I guess, right? This old saying goes, but you can't run from the water if you're too close to it. So you got to pay attention to the evacuation orders. And um, I guess today we'll be just, you know, hoping for the best to come out of the Bahamas and then watching very closely how it moves. Because in the next 24 hours are going to be critical, I think, in understanding how close it's going to get to the U.S. mainland. Yeah, you and I will be staring at the radar uh, quite a bit over the next couple of days. And we'll be back in. Hopefully we can do one of these podcasts tomorrow. That would be great if you're in, Matt. I'd love to do another one with you, and we can uh, sort of refine the forecast a little bit more and give people either uh, a better sense of what's going to happen. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Stay safe to everyone out there, and don't forget uh, to check the uh, National Hurricane Center, turn on the Weather Channel to get the latest information on the storm. Yeah, guys, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, podcast, this special edition. Again, I'm hurricane expert Dr. Greg Postel with senior meteorologist extraordinaire Dr. Matt Sitkowski, and uh, we'll see you soon, and please stay safe.